Welcome to the Tax Sell Podcast, where tax sell investing is made easy. My name is Casey Dimon. I'm a tax sell veteran. I'm the leading tax sell expert. I'm the author of the Tax Sell Playbook. I'm the founder of the Tax Sell Academy, and I'm your host right here on the Tax Sell Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me on today's podcast episode. As a reminder, this is a completely free podcast and is brought to you through and because of the Tax Sell Academy. If you are looking to learn more on investing in tax-defaulted real estate, just head on over to the website. That's TaxSellAcademy.com. All right, today I want to discuss tax sell research. This is such an extremely important topic to me, and I've got loads and loads of videos about it. I've devoted two modules and countless workshops on research inside the academy, and I truly, truly believe that your research will determine your results in the tax sell business. But I also want you to understand that tax sell research is just different than most other types of real estate research. I get emails, I read posts, and I just see general inaccuracies when it comes to doing tax sell research. Much of it stems from those who are transitioning from traditional real estate to tax sell real estate. So I want to kind of set the record straight today so that your expectations align with reality. I want you to understand exactly what you should be researching. And I want you to understand that tax sell research is different. That way, you know what you're doing and know what you're looking for going into it. As some of you might know, I'm a licensed real estate broker in the state of Florida. Now, it's pretty rare that I actually broker properties for other people anymore as my tax sell business, alongside with operating the tax sell academy and assisting members, keeps me very, very occupied. But on occasion, I do browse new listings for close friends that are also investors just to make sure that they don't miss out on any great deals or I don't miss out on any incredible deals, right? So two weeks ago, I took a good friend of mine to look at a property that had just hit the market. We went to that property to perform due diligence prior to writing an offer. And that's where it really kind of struck me. This due diligence that we were doing and tax sell due diligence is nothing alike. While we were there, we walked around the outside of the property, surveying the land, the tree work that's required. We were able to get a close-up of the foundation. We were able to touch it and really take it all in. Then we walked inside. We got our tape measure while taking diligent notes and photos even. We took a look at every single wall, every bathroom, every bedroom. We counted the cabinets, the ceilings. We looked at everything. We measured for new cabinetry, measured for new flooring. We counted the number of lights, the ceiling fans. And shortly thereafter, we developed a budget for the rehab of that property. Generally, we're within about 5 to 10% on a project like that one. Now, that was a bank-owned home. That was a Rio. Here's where that differs from tax sell research. One word, access. With a very, very rare exception, you will not get that kind of access to a tax sell property. In many cases, accessing the property to that extent is going to get you thrown in the jail for trespassing. The properties being sold at a tax sell will generally fall into three classifications, and none of them are which are good for open market type inspections like we did on that Rio. It could be a situation like many tax liens or redeemable deeds where the owner is occupying the property. 
and they own that property, and they have complete control before, during, and even after the sale date, and they don't want you in their house. It could be where the owner has complete control over the property up until the date of the sale. When they lose ownership at that point, once a deed is recorded, and again, they don't want you browsing around their property. Or the county or the foreclosing governmental unit might have actually already become the owner of that property in certain states. And they also don't want the liability of you browsing around their property. So in any of these situations, it's not good for inspections. There are no inspection periods and no time to walk around or through that property. They just don't allow you to do that. And this is something that many investors tend to struggle with. So based off my walkthrough that we discussed earlier about measuring, budgeting, creating lists, all that good stuff, which is how most people should proceed with your standard open market transactions, whether it's an estate or Rio or just a private party sale. But when it comes to tax defaulted real estate, we can't do all that stuff. So what exactly should we be doing? How do we perform inspections? How do we perform our due diligence? A few days ago, somebody asked me, how do I check the condition of the kitchen and bathrooms in a house that's going to a tax sale auction? My response hopefully did not come off as being too brass, but I simply said, you act like there is no kitchen. You act like there is no bathrooms, and then you budget for them. That's how you budget for the condition of the bathroom and the kitchen. You act like there is none, and that goes for the entire house. Now, that is probably a little bit extreme, but instead of worrying about the interior condition, we should automatically assume it's gonna be in pretty bad shape. We should budget perhaps for a complete floor to ceiling gut job right off the bat. Now, you won't always need to completely gut the property, and we're gonna discuss some of those clues that can help you avoid that complete gut job shortly. But if you budget for it and you don't need it, that's even better. So what can we look for? What exactly can we do? We know that we should always plan on worst case type scenarios, but what are some of the clues that can help us kind of establish a picture, a mental idea of what is inside that property? So generally, I will look for visual exterior clues that help me to determine the condition of the interior. Let's start with that online research that we're always gonna start with. First, I always recommend checking with the building department, with the code enforcement office, with the property assessor's records for that property. They can often provide some very helpful clues about the property's history. If a property's been burned down, if it's been condemned, or has some other sort of issue, there's a good chance that unless it happened last week or the week before, it's probably gonna show up somewhere in your online research, at which point you know just to move forward. Now after that, I take a look at the Google Street View. And there's a feature where you can actually adjust the dates on when that Street View photo was taken. So you can go back five, 10 years ago and kind of look at a property based on the timeline of its condition using Google Street View. And of course, this will show you the maintenance or the lack thereof on that property over the years. That's another helpful hint. Then I'll take a look at the aerial images of the property, both on public search engines like Google and Bing, and then through the county's private GIS system that they offer. I'll view the property from multiple different zoom angles and multiple different directions, 
And this can help you to identify potential issues like maybe a missing roof, which is something I've seen on a lot of properties. You'll see a missing roof from an aerial view that did not show up in Google Street View or photos of that property. And then of course you can also likely see other changes in the characteristics of that property that can help you determine its condition. There are obviously plenty more that I do on my online research side of things, but these are just a few of the things that I use to provide me with clues on the condition of that property. Now, once I decide it's worth looking at in person, I will drive by that property, and I always look at the overall condition first of the structure and that property. When I see a house, when I first pull up to a house, does it look like it's dilapidated or it's been sitting for 20 or 30 years? If so, you can just about guarantee that the inside of that property is gonna be in as bad or worse condition than the outside. Likewise, if I see a neatly maintained yard with maybe hedges that have been recently trimmed and perhaps even occupants inside, then I'll likely assume that the property is in pretty good repair, even if I do have to deal with those occupants in the future. So I'll start with that general gut feeling. After that, I look at the roof. The roof, of course, protects the house, and they're pretty expensive to replace, at least when you compare it to a lot of the cosmetic fixes many rehabbers are used to. Because of this, many roofs on tax faulted real estate are in disrepair. If somebody failed to pay the taxes on their property, they also likely did not replace the roof, although it might have needed it. Now, it is expensive, but it's not that big of a deal on its own. A lot of people replace roofs every single day, right? The problem is that if it's been in disrepair for a number of years, that means there's other issues below that roof, like water intrusion, moisture issues, mold, mildew, likely some wood rot, that kind of stuff. So not only are you dealing with that roof that needs to be replaced, but everything underneath it now as a result of that roof being in disrepair. And then of course, it's not just a roof that's at the end of its useful life. I've seen roofs that had trees fall right through the middle of them, crushing the roof, rafters and everything else. So make sure you look at the roof first. Now, after the roof, I'll work my way down. I'll start looking at the walls. And side note here, I'm doing all this from the road or maybe even the sidewalk. I'm not walking up to a house, especially if it's occupied, because it's gonna get you in a lot of trouble, maybe thrown in jail or even worse, depending on how the occupants of that property respond to you. But I'm looking at it from the road, okay? So start with the roof, then work down towards the walls. How do the walls look? Are they intact? Believe it or not, I've seen homes before that only had two existing walls and the other two walls had completely fallen down as a tax cell house. Now, the house that has two walls that don't exist, that's a lawsuit waiting to happen. All right, so are the walls intact? Are there four walls or however many walls that, that house needs to have in order to keep it stable? Are they straight or are they bowing out like it has some sort of structural issues? After that, look nearby. Are there trees nearby? If it has a huge five foot wide live oak right next to the house within inches, you can just about guarantee the root system of that tree is underneath the house, maybe causing some foundation issues, which can be very expensive to repair. After that, consider looking at the driveway. Same thing. Are there chunks? Is it lumpy? Or is it an otherwise some sort of disrepair? Look at the foundation of the house. Does the house 
look like it has a flat, even foundation, or is it lumpy? Does it go like it's curved, like you're going up and down a mountain, right? If it looks like that, all these things are an indication that there could be foundation type issues. Now, once we see that, let's look at the doors and the windows. These are very, very similar to that roof. They protect that structure. Are they intact or are they missing or broken? When you come across stuff like a broken window, let's not assume that it happened yesterday because likely it didn't. It probably has been that way for many years. A broken window or an open door not only causes huge issues like moisture and mold and rodents and that kind of stuff, it could be a hot spot for drugs and other concerns, which then kind of levels up your effort in dealing with that property. Been there, done that. Now, all of the stuff that I've just mentioned and more is easily reviewed by that drive-by. We will never be able to know exactly what's going on with a tax sale house and the condition of it. But our intention should be to become as well-informed as possible about that property before going into that investment, before we invest money into that property. We want to know as much as we can based on these visual clues that we get from the outside. It's not about knowing the exact cost of every single little detail inside a tax sale property. If you try to do that, you're going to drive yourself insane. But we don't want to go into that investment and grossly underestimate the cost of that rehab. I always recommend to, yes, use the clues that we just discussed to help you out. But ultimately, we should always overestimate the cost of your rehab for tax sale properties. This is not a bank-owned property, and there are going to be things that you cannot see. You cannot have a specter go in there. But use those clues we just discussed to give you a better idea of what's happening on the inside. Now, on that same token, we must remember that your research and your drive-by still do not guarantee that that property will be in exactly that condition upon purchase. You do not have a contract that requires the seller to keep the property in the same condition that you originally saw it in as most conventional contracts require. Instead, you're buying a property today hoping that it's in the condition that you saw in yesterday or last week or whenever you drove by that property. And that's a great time to throw in a reminder that you need to drive by that property as close to the auction as possible. The later, the better. Wait till the absolute last minute if it's possible. Now this is just a small, small taste of the due diligence that's required when you're buying a tax sale house. More than anything, I just wanted to record an episode to remind you that tax sale investing and conventional real estate investing, while similar, are two completely different animals. As you have heard, the research process is entirely different. So be patient, be diligent in your research, and always set your budgets for rehab much, much higher than you would for your conventional real estate purchases. Listen, I truly hope that today's episode has helped you out. If so, do us a huge favor and leave a positive review on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to us on today. It truly helps us out and it means a great deal to us. If we can be of any additional help, there are a whole bunch of links for you to check out in today's show notes. Thanks again for listening to us on the Tax Cell Podcast. Take care. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.